What is up, everyone? Welcome to episode seven in the Master Your Stutter podcast. Uh, in this episode specifically, I'm going to be showing you a live podcast that I did with Julia Hamblin in the Overcoming uh, Stuttering Facebook community on Facebook. If you haven't joined, this is my community where we just reached over a thousand people. I highly recommend uh, you join our group. But in, in this podcast specifically, Julia shares her story with uh, getting into an accident at a young age and getting a stutter because because of it and she's so inspiring she's someone that didn't let her stutter you know take over her life and and you know hold her back from opportunities and she became the president of a group in her community she, she's just such an awesome girl and I really want you to check it out listen to her story listen to you know the feedback kind of going back and forth and really take note and see how you can apply all of her strategies that she did to your own life so it can help with your stutter so with that being said i'm going to play the the uh, podcast and i'll see you in the show okay bye-bye so the big question is this how do we overcome stuttering without years of speech therapy expensive ear devices or old school methods that don't really work in the real world and how do we master our stutter so we can become the confident and fluent speakers we all deserve to be that is the question, and this is the podcast that will give you the answer. My name is Daniel Francis, and welcome to the Master Your Stutter Podcast. Well, it looks like, Julia, we are live. Awesome. Live in the Overcoming Stuttering Community. Let me just confirm. I think we're good. Yeah, it's looking good. Okay. What's up, everyone? How's everyone doing? Woo! Woo! <laughs> I had like an audience in the back just go, like, we're good. Yeah. Well, well um, for everyone that is watching and everyone on the replay, we have Julia Hamblin from Indiana, USA. I'm a Canadian, so, you know, it's whatever. But uh, we have, she's, uh, she's from Indiana. Um, uh, Julia is actually an all-star. She is the president, again, you said of, of FFA, obviously on the shirt. And it's basically, it's basically a, a youth club um, and a youth group for agricultural organization. We'll obviously get more uh, details into that, but she's actually the president of it. And um, a cool thing, the, the one thing I liked about Julia is um, she actually has a certain type of stuttering, um, which is called neurogenic stuttering. Right. And you can kind of get more in depth into that. But basically, in simple terms, what that means is a type of stuttering. From what I know, it's like more of like a brain injury. I could be wrong, but it's not like for like for myself. Um, I, I forget the actual term, but um, it's genetic in my family. I was born with it. So I was raised as someone with a stutter. Whereas with Julia, it was more of she kind of went through an accident um, at a young age. Um, and then from you went through you went to a speech pathologist, right? I did. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, she went through that phase and now she is an all-star and she's kicking, butt. she didn't let, you know, this is like, now you're always labeled by this and you will never get over this, Julia. <laughs> so you walk around with this and tell everyone, you know, but no, Julia is, she, she took her, you know, my biggest thing is you, you take your weakness and you turn it into your strength. And to be a president means you have responsibility um, you know, and, and, and Julia, she's 18 years old, all-star, but she is now in a, uh, you know, she's, she's a leader. She's a, she has to be a role model for the people that's part of her organization before she has to speak. She has to make sure that there is, um, I don't want to say unison there, but there is a, a type of like, we're a team and it's her job to keep the team in check. The glue, I call it the glue in a, in a team, right? So, um, and obviously, you know, she had to, um, become more fluent in that. So I'm super excited to kind of hear Julia's story. Uh, we want to start from, from the beginning and, uh, we want to kick it off. So Julia, if, if there's anything that you, that you want to say before I kind of get into my line of questions. I'm just, I'm so excited to share my story today. It's I'm very passionate about sharing, uh, how I overcame stuttering to help others overcome it as well. And not to let it be an obstacle in our lives. I'm really excited right now. Cool. Well, get ready for some people to be like, Julia, did you even have a stutter? Are you lying <laughs> to us? Because you sound really good right now and I don't believe it. Okay. And, and by the way, like I, I'm a big advocate. Everyone has a different type of stutter. 
not not everyone is not everyone is the same right so and sorry I, I, let me start in the comments what's up daniel some good looking people on people you interview <laughs> man come on come on love that cool so um julia let's 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 kind of get get into it so from from what we were talking about before you were um so you went and you got into a bus accident mm -hmm. um when you were in kindergarten um so kindergarten so you were what you were three four years old it's pretty young about that age yeah very still growing so so cool. kind of traumatic back then yeah <laughs> cool well so you didn't stutter before that and then you kind of went through that um, so, so if you're okay with that, kind of like explain, like what exactly happened, what happened to the bus? I'm actually curious. And then what happened to yourself? Um, and yeah, the, let's start from there. So something uh, you should know about Indiana is that we have really hot summers, but we also have really cold winters. We get really cold. Uh, and when there's uh, rain involved in the winter, uh, ice, it tends to form uh, very thick on the road. So I actually remember uh, being on the bus after the school day was over and we were just pulling out of the driveway and there was a chain reaction of buses that were sliding at the stop sign uh, to turn left or right to go on their routes. And my bus was about fifth in the back. And so we were uh, fifth to go in that chain reaction because the first bus uh, tried to stop and they started to slide. So the bus behind them slid, hit them and just kept going. And I got to the point where I was on the chain reaction where it kind of, it wasn't the worst, but it was still uh, good enough to cause some injury on the bus. I know mm -hmm. uh, my best friend sitting next to me, she left with a, with a bloody nose that day. And I just remember uh, the bus hit the bus in front of us and my head uh, hit the seat in front of me. And if that happened to me now, it wouldn't have an impact, but you know, mm -hmm. I was still young back then. So I was still growing and my brain was still developing. So that's sort of the theory that my speech pathologist had as to why I have a stutter now, because before then I was talking just fine. You know, I was, I couldn't, I didn't have any front teeth, so I couldn't make my S's very well. Uh, I couldn't do my ER, but that was just a normal childhood development thing that they were able to fix over time. So they're pretty sure that that's the origin of why I, I still stutter today. Mm -hmm. So what, so what happened? So, Obviously that, that, um, I mean, you, you were three, four years old, so that could be dramatic when people are probably screaming on the bus or crying and, um, you're, you're not really sure what's, what's going on. So what, it, what, like, what exactly happened to your speech? Uh, after that day, you know, of course I was, I was scared of, of buses for a little bit after that. Um, of course I was young and so I didn't really understand the full extent of the situation, uh, I didn't really notice that I had so bad of a stutter until I was older because I thought that was just the normal thing to do. Now, I, I was in speech therapy already in kindergarten for different reasons, but I thought it was normal to be pulled out of class for 20, 30 minutes to work on how to talk. I thought that was just the normal being so young. That's just what I was used to, really. So I didn't really notice that it was so much of an issue until I was in third grade and I had my official diagnosis. And you know, back then, when you're in third grade for my school, that's considered uh, the honors classes at that point. And I was in the honors class and I was the only one uh, in my class there that had to be pulled out for speech therapy. So I think that being singled out for going to speech therapy kind of made me realize like, oh, this, this isn't normal and this, this probably shouldn't be happening. Uh, that's mm -hmm. kind of when I realized the full extent of it. So I'm guessing your parents were freaking out because of it. <laughs> uh, they were concerned, definitely. Uh, I, I know that my mom, especially, she's been uh, my rock through everything, and she always encourages me uh, just to, to work harder and do better. But I, I, I know that she was worried and concerned that you know her kid was still ha having trouble speaking, and she just wanted to fix me so bad. And so I, I look back on it, and uh, it, I'm, I'm sure she was very concerned uh, for that. Yeah. So what did your mom notice though? Like what, how, like, when was she like, okay, you know what? Julia needs to see a speech pathologist. Like, what were you doing exactly? Like, I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> so when I was, in, when I was in kindergarten, my teachers uh, had us, every student went to the, the speech pathologist just to get tested to see what's, what it's like. And uh, that's when she kind of pinpointed like, this is just developmental, uh, just a couple months, maybe a year speech therapy, whatever. Um, but then as I got into the end of my second grade year, I was nailing those ER sounds, nailing those S's. My teeth came in, so I was doing great with sounds, but mm -hmm. I was still kind of stuttering over my words a lot. And so that's sort of when they kind of figured out maybe something else is wrong. Because by the time you get into third grade, 
those developmental issues should be fixed by then. And so that's when they yeah, pick point, like something else is wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you kept, you kept going through speech therapy. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. There's all your all the other students didn't. That's basically what you're saying. Yeah, I had two other people in my speech therapy sessions, and we were in the same class, so it was just it was us three in the class of 2020 there. Nice. So what? So what letters or syllables did you stutter on? Like, were your so you said your ers, mm -hmm. you said your ss. Like, what else? Like, what are some what were some tough words that you had um, that that you had a lot of, like a lot of speech blocks on? When I was younger, it was it was those ER sounds and those S's, and I I got those nailed. Like I I got those like it's nothing now. And mm -hmm. what's helped me overcome my stutter now is pinpointing what I do struggle with. And I I know that there are there are three sounds that I really struggle with still today, and those are yeah. W sounds. I for some reason, especially like when it's two W's at the same time, like uh, my one of my teammates wears a bracelet that says uh. What would Jesus do? And I, I can't ever say that without having to stop and think because like the what would really it befuddles me and it messes me up. Uh, also, How bad would your blocks be? I'm, I'm sorry to, to cut you off. Like, would it be like, like, for example, if you had to mimic it, like, how would that look like? Well, 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 what would you like Jesus do? Like, exactly how? like that. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, usually a sound that involve um, my lips to move out is what I've noticed. Um why sounds sometimes kind of uh, struggle and surprisingly uh, the letter T uh, for some reason. So there's something about uh, the letter T usually when it comes like THs um, like mm -hmm. bear, thus, uh, words like that really uh, trip me up. And it's, it's usually when I, when I try to say it, uh, it'll exactly how you said it. I just had to say the syllable like three or four times before it comes out. But sometimes it'll get so bad. That I have to stop talking, take a breath mm -hmm. and just, just try again. Mm -hmm. So, so was, did, did, did you get bullied growing up? Was it like, uh, um, yeah, like, what was it? Like, how was growing up with it? And when did you, when did you start to control it? Then, you know, you're obviously fluent, you know, on camera right now. So, so yeah. So talk about that. Uh, my, my classmates began to notice that I didn't talk normally in, in the fourth grade. And they kind of were realizing like, oh, she's in fourth grade and she still needs help like learning how to talk. And uh, that's when I sort of realized I was a little um, cautious, conscious about the way I spoke. And uh, it was really in, in fourth grade that I began to, to get bullied for that. And so when I went into middle school, I thought, you know, all my elementary schools are coming together into, into the middle school. We're going to meet some new friends, going to get a fresh start. Uh, that's exactly the opposite of what happened. That just meant more people could team up on me to make fun of my, the way I spoke. And I learned that week one. And so my philosophy in middle school was I'm just not going to talk. And that's exactly what I did for all three years of middle mm -hmm. school. Back then, I, I dressed down. I was quite the tomboy back then. I was an athlete. So uh, I got made fun of for the way I dressed, too. But my philosophy was, you know, I can change the way I dress if I wanted to. But I can't change the way I talk. And that was what I really thought back then. We, we've tried since since kindergarten, nobody can fix me. So I just, I, I never spoke in middle school uh, with the fear wow. that I would get made fun of for the way I spoke. Yeah, that was that was definitely something very similar to me where I just, I don't know you, um, like for me, I always give the example of like when I'm talking to someone and I, I, and I was stuttering, they wouldn't look me in the eye. So they would always be like, their eyes would be shifting back and forth. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was like validation like, I shouldn't be speaking. I shouldn't be talking. Um, so I guess that's something that she kind of went through. Mm -hmm. It's something, something similar to that. Cool. I, I, I totally get it. I feel your pain. So, 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 you, you know, grade four happened, you know, kids are starting to like jab or whatever, make fun of you. Um, when did you like, what was, what, what was like the peak where it was like, all right. And then things kind of started to change. What grade was that? Uh, it was the summer after my eighth grade year that I kind of hit my, my peak of we, we got to fix this. That was the year I joined an organization called 4-H. And they're uh, another example of a youth uh, organization that's halfway driven toward agriculture, but also just driven toward uh, leadership and future success, really. So it's kind of the kind of FFA and 4-H are similar in some ways, um, but they're two completely different organizations. So I joined 4-H uh, the summer after my eighth grade year. And I went to my first club meeting called the Junior Leaders, and we're supposed to be this a little council of the future leaders 
of, of the world. And I'm thinking, why am I here? I didn't know why I was there, what my, my place was. But I went to our first meeting, which was like a call out meeting. And I made a lot of friends. I had a lot of fun. And nobody even mentioned my stutter. Because back then, it was really bad. And no one said a thing about it. So I thought, wow, these guys are really cool. I, I like this place. And at our first official team meeting, I was nominated and somehow elected to be the club secretary. And so I didn't know what that meant back then. I just thought, okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna take notes. But uh, my club leader told me I, I would have to read the meeting minutes at each meeting. So at that moment, I knew, like, well, great, this is bad. Now I have to speak publicly in front of the future leaders of the world, and they're going to notice my stutter really bad. And so it was at that point I said, I'm not going to humiliate myself. I'm, that, that was my turning point of we're going to fix this now. Cool. So I'm guessing you were stressed to obviously public speak. So did, so did you find, um, did you find out after you started to like, you said, you said the minutes, right? After you, after you started to like, um, did you, did you find your speech start to get a, like a little bit better when you started to do that? Because you found that you were kind of forced to speak in front of a crowd. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, of course, my nerves got to the best of me sometimes. And so uh, the first few meetings where I read the minutes out loud, it, my stutter was a little bit worse than it usually is. But after I began, began to get more comfortable with my club, that's when I was calmer giving the minutes and it gradually got a little bit better throughout that year. Wow. Cool. So what do you think really changed you completely from maybe a quiet, maybe, you know, um, not, not insecure, but very, you know, almost like you don't want to be speaking to other people because you might stutter to this. Obviously you're very um, optimistic and positive on the call and you, you obviously speak, you know, fluently. So what do you think changed within you? I think it was definitely when my club leader asked me about uh, eight months after I was, I was elected she had heard my story that I had a speech disorder and she asked me to be the guest speaker at one of our meetings. And she wanted me to talk about overcoming my speech disorder and how, how I did it and how anybody can overcome any obstacles in our lives. And so when I, when I was giving that speech, all of my nerves went away and I was just focused on uh, sharing my story of overcoming it because I really wanted to just motivate my fellow club members. I think right there, that was my, my turning point of, wow, like I can do this. This, this is awesome. And that was my motivation to do better later on when FFA came in the picture. Wow. So you're basically inspiring other people. That's my, that's my hope. Yes. Wow. No, I'm just saying that's, I mean, that's why she called you up though, too, at that time, mm -hmm. because you were inspiring them all. Um, and so, so is that, would you say like, is that how you became a leader and how you became the president of your group? Because I think that's what it, that's yeah. what started it. Yeah. Um, FFA didn't actually come into my school until I was a sophomore. So I had two years to, to prep myself, uh, for what FFA would bring me. I didn't know what FFA would bring, but, uh, that 4-H was definitely the origin of why I wanted to become a better speaker and the stepping stones, how I became a better speaker. That's awesome. Cool. So, I mean, now let's, you know, um, now let's kind of get into, you know, some of your theory of like, so what, like, what would, what would you recommend to people that stutter? Like, you know, what I noticed is, um, even like, even asking you for this, for this interview or you messaged on the uh, post where you were like, yeah, let's do it a hundred percent. Um, whereas most people that stutter, um, this is scary. Like I've had people message me saying, there's no way I'm, you know, I'm going to not right now, at least. Um, so, you know, how, I mean, you, you, you kind of explained, you know, what kind of worked for you, but what, what, what really, you know, um, what would you tell other people that stutter and how can they get over it? What I always tell people that, because I have friends who also have speech disorders that I've talked to, I always just tell them, find what you struggle with. And maybe sometimes you need somebody to help you. Now, I know for me, I asked my FFA advisor, said, can we just have a conversation and can you help me figure out what I'm struggling with? And she's the one that helped me pinpoint what sounds that I, I always uh, stutter over. There it is. Uh, so she was kind of like my accountability partner. She held me accountable uh, for what I struggled with. 
So my biggest piece of advice is just find out what your struggle is when you when you speak and just really focus on on kneeling those sounds and knowing that, you know, we may not be 100 percent cured, but we can take those little steps to get better. Now, I've been in I've been stuttering for 18 years of my life and I'm not cured and I'm probably never going to be cured. Um, mm. But you just got to have the mentality of maybe I'll never be cured, but uh, just having the having the thought of don't let it hold you back. Just, mm-hmm. just do what you want to do and don't let your, your stuttering hold you back there. Yeah, I guess like, you know, um, I think for people that stutter, um, I know for myself, just speaking from my opinion, you know, I believed um, my end goal is to be someone who never stutters and speaks fluently all the time. And um, I realized as time kind of went on, like that isn't, that shouldn't be the end goal. Like, um, like the end goal isn't to be like, I'm now cured right now. I never like the end goal should be um, I'm now a leader in my, in my circle, right? Like pretty much what you do, what you're doing right here um, or what you're doing right now. Or I'm a, um, you know, I'm someone that has the confidence to even do something like this. Like these are just like examples, right? Or I'm, I, I have the confidence to go speak in front of a crowd or, um, you know, when I go into an interview, um, you know, I just freaking kill it. And the, the person who's interviewing me is like, like fell in love with me for business purposes. Right. Um, and you know, I'm just, I have a very attractive personality, right. That should be the end goal or, mm-hmm. you know, have the confidence to go get a partner or have the confidence to, you know, say whatever they want if they're in a crowd, right. Like that should be the end goal. The end goal should not be, I will never stutter again and I will be fluent all the time, 24 seven. What's your take on that? Cause I, I think that is being cured. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. What's your, what's your take on that? I absolutely agree. That's something that uh, I talk to middle school students who are in speech therapy. And I always ask them like, what do you want to get out of speech therapy? And they said, I don't want to ever stutter again. I said, okay. And that when you're young, you know, we're all going to have that mentality. Um, but I, I just tell them, you know, we shouldn't focus on, I want to get cured. I want to get cured. You know, I've, I've always uh, been told you have to expect the worst, but hope for the best. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just what I've always, always planned. You know, with all my FFA and public speaking competitions, I got to think I'm the girl going into these competitions and I have a speech disorder. I shouldn't be here. So I just, I just go in and just give it a shot knowing that uh, I, I might not ever in my life be cured of, of neurogenic stuttering, but uh, I'm going to try and I'm just, I'm going to live my life. Like I don't have a stutter. Yeah. You know what? It's so funny that you just said that. Um, Cause that was, um, you know, something that e- even I teach is a lot of people that stutter, they believe it, it, it. It's just so funny how you're this bubbly person because of, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's because of public speaking in some aspect. Absolutely. Like, you know, like to become a leader, you need to public speak. Like you cannot be a president of a group or really of anything if you can't speak in front of a crowd. Right. And it's funny how like mastering that allows you to master a podcast like this or mastering probably a conversation you have with a friend or, you know, whatever it is. Right. Absolutely. And, um, you know, what a lot of people don't really understand is they go, I could never public speak. There's no way. And, you know, what I even what I even teach is like um, the best public speakers are actually ones are the ones who have a really hard story or have a really not hard story, but have a really tough story growing up, mm-hmm. right? Like the tougher the story that you had growing up, um, the better the public speaker, because the more inspiring that person is, you know, Absolutely. it's like having a perfect life is actually a bad thing <laughs> when public speaking. Just think about that. Mm-hmm. If you were like, hi, my name is Juliet. No, I have, I've, I've like had no issues. Um, yeah, I mean, people, you know, they all want to be my friend, any job I get, you know, um, I never really had any issues. I don't really understand people having problems because I don't really have problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was the president. No, I, I've, I've always, I've always spoken perfectly. Right. If you, if you said that, like no one, you're not inspiring mm-hmm. therefore, and then say another person came up and they were going to give a talk or whatever. And they talk about like all the problems they had growing up. All the cards were stacked against them. You know, um, no one thought it was possible for you to become the person. And now you are this person. 
And that's where the whole crowd gets up. And that's how you get elected as a leader. <laughs> Think about that. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Without having a tough story, you probably wouldn't have the discipline and the motivation to be who you are right now mm -hmm. and to show up and to be that leader and for people to actually follow you. Mm -hmm. Right. So anyway, I, I, I just want to add that two cents in because to be a good public speaker, you got to have some type of tough story. And my belief is like, you want to overcome stuttering, do the hardest thing that, um, that is, I wouldn't say possible, but I would, I would say public speaking can be a very scary thing, but if you do it, um, it will change your life. And I think Julie, I think you are an example of this. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So it's my two cents right there. Right. So yeah, cool. Um, let's see what else. So, um, what are your goals in life? Like, what do you want to do? What, um, where does Julia want to go? And, um, you know, why, you know, let's even talk about FFA, like what attracted you there and, you know, where do you see yourself in like five to 10 years? So FFA actually wasn't a thing in my community until, like I said, I was a sophomore. Uh, I live in, in, in a city where ag isn't very prominent. We're very big into sports. I was, that's our thing in, in this town. So when FFA came in the picture, I knew I wasn't going to be very popular, but I, I didn't care because I really had a strong passion uh, for agriculture. I, I knew that this was the organization to pursue my passion. And so I remember first meeting my FFA advisor. We bonded over, uh, of all things, pigs. And that's when I knew we were going to be very close. And she has been one of my biggest motivators when it came, when it came to overcoming uh, my stutter. Like I said, she was my, uh, I guess, accountability partner. And she helped me figure out this. These are the sounds you struggle with. So I would work on this. Okay, I'm going to do that. And I remember uh, the January of my sophomore year, uh, we have contests called LDEs, which are leadership development events. And those are competitions that um, are focused on leadership skills, such as essay writing, job interview, and prepared public speaking. And she encouraged me. She said, I want you to do prepared public speaking. And mm -hmm. I was like, you're, you're nuts. No, like, I, I can't do that. And so uh, <laughs> I, I thought about it and I was like, you know what? Let's, let's just, let's just try this. Why not? And so I wrote this speech and I gave it at our competition and my very first time I ended up winning district, which is like our, our regionals. And I thought, wow, like this is, this is crazy. And so that year I ended up going to the state competition and I placed fourth and I was, I was shocked. I was very, very shocked by that. But after that, that's when I realized, uh, I, I can do this. You know, mm -hmm. I, I thought going into my first competition, I, I wasn't as worthy of being in a public speaking competition setting. But after that season, I really just wanted to focus on becoming a better speaker. And so that next year I joined my school speech and debate team and I did more public speaking competitions. Holy. Oh, it was amazing. And then next year I said, I'm going to win state this year. That is my goal. I want to win state. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that's exactly what I did. And so I went that next summer and I, I, I accomplished my goal there. And so you, did you do first place? I did. And I, I won district again and then I ended up winning state and I got to go to nationals. Holy smokes from someone that stuttered to us, to someone who was, um, was going to speech therapy as a kid to this. So, so, I mean, someone, okay, so someone, uh, I, I didn't realize, but we have a lot of comments. I don't know if you see any of the comments. Oh, but, they um, like just came up all at once. <laughs> I know, they're just kind of jumping up, right? Um, so, you know, let's just, I mean, I can kind of go through them, but um, like, for example, someone says, um, I've never seen speech therapy that effective. So my question is maybe, um, now you need to correct me, okay, if I'm not seeing this right, but I don't, like, I think speech therapy helped you kind of get off the ground. But I think the Julia that's on this camera who's speaking fluently um, is a result because of all the public speaking competitions and all the leadership that she's doing. Absolutely. I can definitely confirm that my speech pathologist, she helped guide me to what was wrong, what was going on. And, you know, she, I, I truly believe that speech, speech therapy, it's, just, it's different with all of us. You know, I, I had a friend who was in speech therapy because of his ERs all throughout elementary school. And mm -hmm. he, he's cured and he's good. Uh, I had a friend who um, they were still in speech therapy through high school. So we're all different when it comes to is speech therapy effective. 
And I know for me, it helped me find out what I struggle with and what I need to do and help me figure out that I have a speech disorder in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it really just, it depends on, on the person really. Mm-hmm. Nice. But, you, but you're saying public speaking is what kind of got you. Absolutely. The, the experiences, uh, just going out and doing public speaking, that's what's going to get you to be a better speaker in the end. Yeah, it's, that's hilarious. This, this was not planned. That's exactly what I preach, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, you have a stutter. That's why I like, I do my competitions, right? Um, of like, I don't know if you saw any of the challenges, but it's like go on Facebook Live, like prepare some type of speech and do it and just get on camera, like go on live, don't do a pre-recorded video, go on live, right? So um, that's awesome. Okay, let's 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 see some of the comments. Um, so, um, ooh, I love that. I'm gonna I'm going to love my life as if I don't have a stutter. Oh, I love that. Yes, perfect what you believe you create you are being completely fearless and allowing yourself to be you go girl um anyone know so (laughs) anyone know how to practice public speaking on the regular so let me you know what i'll just ask you these questions okay um so so someone's asking how to public practice speaking on the regular what would you recommend because we're not we we're not all president of a group <laughs> where we have to public speak. And, and, no, I'm just kidding. What, what would you recommend um, where um, of, to get someone to public speak on the regular? I think it just all starts with just your regular day. Conversations are a real good practice source. Uh, just having a normal conversation with people is a really good way to pinpoint what you struggle with, and but also to practice on your speaking. Mm-hmm. Something that I did that... Uh, my FFA advisor advised me to do was give my speech in front of a mirror. And that's got to be the most uncomfortable thing to ever do, you know, giving a speech to yourself, looking at yourself, but it'll really help you with, you know, you can kind of see your face when you're about to stutter or when you are stuttering. And that can kind of help you with what you need to do the next time that you can either feel a stutter going on or if you are stuttering. But mm-hmm. just conversations are a really good source of just every single day practice when it comes to any, any sort of speaking, really. Nice. Yeah. My two cents on that is, um, I always recommend. So, um, like I taught myself how to play guitar and sing mm-hmm. and, um, and I was, yeah, yeah, cool. And, um, you know, side note, I find that people that stutter are one of the most motivated people on the planet. Don't tell anyone. Cause some people might be like, no, that's not true. But my opinion is people that um, especially who struggle with communicating, um, they're very motivated to like, not only overcome it, but like, you know, to stay lazy, like things didn't come easy to us or to me specifically. Right. So I had this, like this amazing drive. So, you know, my stutter gave me this amazing drive that I don't think I would have had unless I had it. Right. So that's why I was, I forced myself to like learn guitar and sing, but going to the singing is I was a really bad singer. I mean, I, I still kind of am, but you know, <laughs> I'm a little bit better. And what I would do is I would record myself singing and playing my guitar, the song that I would practice before I would play it in front of a stage. And what I would do is I would then re uh, listen to that recording and be like, Oh God, this is so bad. And then do it again. Or what I would do is I would then hear all the places where I would mess up or like where I wouldn't hit the note or it just sounded bad. So I, then I would find that part and I would practice it until it was good. And then I would then do the song again. And then I would fix that part. And it was almost like I'm kind of like proofreading and editing each, each part. Like the whole song is done, but I got to edit certain parts of it that suck. And for everyone watching this, that's how you are with your speech. For the most part, like, yeah, I, I get it. Some people have, are, are less fluent than others, but you, what you should do in my, you know, what I would recommend is get out a camera and I'm sure most people have an iPhone. Okay. And, um, or maybe not an iPhone, but now whatever, I'm sure you have a camera. Like this is not the 1980s. Okay. And uh, I'm sure you can go find yourself a camera and record yourself or do an audio and listen to yourself giving a talk, be with your friend and record a conversation with that person. Be on a phone call, go, go borrow someone else's phone. Go use your home phone. If you have a home phone and like, listen to yourself, you are your biggest judge and your biggest you will critique yourself the most out of everyone else. So that's, that's kind of what I would recommend. And that would be a form of public speaking on a low pressure scale. And then, yeah, then what I would do, find a way to 
practice speaking in front of other people and record that and watch yourself give that talk. Sorry. Watch yourself give that speech. Like, did, did you do that, Julia? Did you ever record yourself giving talks? And I hate rewatching my, my, um, any speeches, even like this podcast or a video that I made, but you know, you have to do that. So did you ever do anything like that or all the time? Yeah. That was my advisor and speech coach's advice on, uh, when I was very critical about myself, like, wow, my, this speech is horrible. I, I keep stuttering. It's not good. And they said, well, you're your own worst critic. So I, I would, my phone is filled with videos of tons of different speeches, but that really helped me with what I need to work on and what my audience is seeing in the end. Yes. You want to fix it guys, record yourself on camera. Okay. That's how you practice. Mm -hmm. And then you find all the words you stutter on and then you practice those words. Okay. I have a, I have a three-step thing that I do. It's called, I, um, I memorize. So I memorize a speech. I, I then record myself giving that speech and then I identify all the, all the hard parts. And then I repeat until like, I can say it perfect. Sorry, Absolutely. but I'm, I'm just gonna keep on looking. So I found my happy place, but it's still not that fluent. Hey, listen, like, again, no one's going to be perfectly fluent ever, right? The goal is to be that the inner self, right? And be happy with that. I wonder what advice they told her. Yeah. So what advice did they give you? Um, I'm trying to think. Oh yes. Yes. So what did your, what did your coach advice give you? I guess that's kind of what they're saying. Someone asked a question. I wonder what advice they told her. Uh, I got a lot of advice. Um, but of course it all came from those who don't understand, um, what, what, what we go through when we stutter. See, I, um, it's a good example. I had to say when we, I kind of like stop myself, like, okay, focus. So good. You're example. Not perfect. Julia, I can't <laughs> believe you're not perfect. <laughs> I'm uh, nowhere near perfect. I, I wish. No. Uh, the biggest piece of advice that I really took in was to be yourself. You know, something that we do uh, as Indian FFA state officers, we do a lot of storytelling and we do these things called reflections and they're three to four minutes, uh, I guess, stories that has an inspirational message behind it. And my philosophy with this is this is what I want to say. Now I'll figure out how I'm going to say it. Some of my teammates wanted to write out a full script and they're like, Oh, what's the next word? But you know, in my mind, I'm thinking it's, it's my story. No one else knows it better than me. So if you just, if you're yourself while you're speaking and coming from the heart, the word will come to you. Mm -hmm. Now, will it come out perfectly? Maybe not, but you're still getting your message out there. And that's really what I've taken into consideration throughout my high school career and through being a state officer. Nice. That's awesome. Julia, you're freaking cool. <laughs> if you like Julia, put some comments, okay? <laughs> Type in Julia's awesome. Also, and and one thing you did talk about too was um was a coach. Mm -hmm. So I, I preach this. Like I'm like religious about this stuff, which is like if you don't have a coach, um, how do I say this in a nice way? You're crazy. Like, <laughs> I just like like the greatest people on the planet have coaches because they never think they know it all. Like the second you go, I know it all. I don't need more help. That's where you've lost. Right. Um, and no matter how amazing you get at whatever you're in, I believe you should always have a coach and a coach can be through. Um, yeah. You, you can get a coach through a book. You can get a coach through a YouTube video. You can get a coach through, um, I don't know, from a movie you see, like, that's great. But I think having that personal one-on-one -on -one who can see the flaws that you don't see. So talk about that. Talk about the value of having a coach and why, why you would recommend, would you recommend one to everyone that has a stutter and why? Absolutely. Uh, maybe not even more so a coach, but just, just, just somebody to, to listen to you. And, um, and that can be, uh, that can be a parent. It could be a teacher, it could be a sibling, grandparent. Um, anybody that you can trust that will say, Hey, like, this is what I noticed about your speech and, and, and knowing not to take what they say too harshly, but just that they're trying to help you. And then in the end, that's really all we could ask for. So I definitely would recommend, uh, just somebody in your life to kind of be your accountability partner for that. 
Okay, so I'm going to add my opinion, and um, I definitely want your opinion. So I don't believe that everyone should be your coach, though, or not coach. Yeah. Like, I don't, I, I don't believe you should, like, be vulnerable with everyone. Not, sorry, not vulnerable. Like, again, like, I'm very um, picky with this. Because um, you have, you have someone who's not a superior, but someone who's a little older than you and who's kind of giving you advice. Yes. Like you wouldn't go ask your younger brother if you had a younger brother for advice at that level. No. Mm-hmm. So it's not just everyone just to kind of like correct that. Yes. Like my thing is like, A, you get a coach, 100%. Mm-hmm. Number two, you find someone that is a fluent speaker and maybe has also had speech issues. Like you would be a great coach for some people, for people that stuttered, right? Like say there was, say for example, there was a 14 year old girl and she stuttered really bad and she's insecure about it and it's uh, people she's getting tormented and she's she's built a lot of anxiety i think julie i think you would be a great coach for her because you know how it is to feel to be in her shoes and you also based on all the comments she people are saying you don't even have a stutter so yeah i I would love your opinion on that like be very careful with who's giving you advice Absolutely. Because you should only get from, I'm guessing, I'm, I'm just saying the person who's probably giving you advice, would you, would you say is like pretty much has their things together for the most part? Absolutely. I could definitely say my FFA advisor, she's, uh, she's a teacher, so she's a little bit older than me, but uh, I know that I can trust her and that she's going to be real with me and she's, she wants what's best for me. And I think that's the, that's the really critical thing with who you want to, to be your coach there. They want what's best for you and they want you to get better. Because if they want you to get better, they're going to do every, everything that they can to yes. be better in the end. Yes. And and that's why, like, make sure they obviously have your best interests. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I think I'm just, I think what I'm getting at, Julia, is, like, you need to get a coach, but pick your coach wisely. Yes. Massive advocate. Yes. Don't just, don't just share this with everyone because you're sharing your stuff with someone else and they got way bigger problems and they're not even listening to you because mm-hmm. they're so they're caught up with their own problems. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. They're so caught up in their own problems that you then are like, Hey, I have my problems. And they're like, sure, I guess I'll hear you out. And then at the end of that conversation, you feel worse than how you were before you had that conversation with that person. Do you understand what I mean? Absolutely. You're like, why did I even tell them all my problems? (laughs) Why did I even share that with them? I feel worse now. So I'm just, I'm very stubborn with this. Mm. Like I, I, I always get, I always give the example of, um, I don't know if I've ever, give, ever, ever given this example, but I got a personal trainer and I went to a place called good life in, in, uh, in Canada. Uh, I don't think you guys have good life out there, but it's like a, it's like a big gym franchise. And I show up to the gym and I'm like, all right, I've had too much of, I've had too much pasta my whole life because my nonna feeds me too much pasta and rice and chicken parmesan and i'm just I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get a little bigger so i'm like all right i'm getting a personal trainer so i show up and by the way i've been i've been going to the gym for years now for some reason I, I just can't lose weight so i i i go and i'm like all right so i i go meet the actual manager and i'm like okay my name is daniel this is it these are my goals this is what i want to do and he's excited and he's like yeah we're gonna get we're, we're gonna get you onto this phase that phase this phase uh, you know da 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 and then I go, um, you know, um, you know, I have the money. I, I can afford it because, uh, you know, I, I've been saving for this. I, I am very disciplined. I will show up. I just have one big ask. Um, I don't want someone that, um, you know, for example, just doesn't have the body that I want. Hmm. And as I was looking at him, he was, he was overweight. And it was funny because it's like he's selling me personal training, but he doesn't have the body that I want. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like you need to go find someone because how can they teach you something that they haven't done themselves? Mm-hmm. So then, uh, and then he's like, okay, no worry. His obviously his face got red. And then, you know, then he's like, don't worry, I'll get you a big Mike. And then, and then this, 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 this big jacked juice head walks in. He's like, what's up? I'm big Mike. <laughs> I'm like, I want that guy. Where do I sign? Okay, where do I sign? <laughs> right. And I always give that example because it's like, you need to find a right coach. Because I guarantee if I found your FFA coach or your, not your coach, but you would call her your advisor. Mm-hmm. She, she's probably very inspiring herself. Mm-hmm. I guarantee I would have a phenomenal conversation with her. Yeah, absolutely. Would you agree? I would. And 
So anyway, just I, I know I just went on a big rant, but that's important, everyone. Find someone. So, and do you meet up with that person like once a week? Like it kind of explained our relationship. So when I was in high school, she was my uh, teacher for my agricultural classes. And I took one class uh, my sophomore, junior and senior year. So I saw her every single day. And then I would see her when, when we would have uh, after school practices and before school practices for the FFA. Now that I moved out of the house and I'm living uh, at, the F at the FFA center, uh, I, I try to call her. Uh, at least once a week, sometimes more, uh, just to give her an update on, on stuff. Uh, this year, I'm actually going to be coaching our students who are doing public speaking in FFA this year, just to stay connected with them uh, and, and try to, to teach them what, what she taught me there. Crazy. It's crazy how like aligned we are too. So you're basically teaching people to public speak mm -hmm. and you're someone that kind of grew up with it. It's just cool. So we have another question for you, Julia. All right. Um, they go, uh, someone goes, any idea how this could be applied with children? Okay. And good thing. No, no, you're 18. So <laughs> to become an adult in, uh, see for us, it's 19. No, it's 18, but it's 18 for the U S right? It is. Yeah. As well. Okay. So, so you're a full fledged adult. Okay. <laughs> But, um, how, how, how would you like, let's just kind of like frame it in this way. If you can go back to your younger self who was, I don't know, maybe in her grade three age or what, and you were her parents. I think I asked, um, the last, um, guest that I asked, um, you know, how, uh, Jay, how would you, how would you parent that kid? And what would you, what would you tell that, that little Julia? to become, you know, or did, or did you make all the right decisions? I think it's, it's very different when it's coming from a parent's perspective, because when, when kids are young and they're, you know, growing and developing, they want their kid to be healthy and perfect. And so, uh, even those smallest imperfections can be worrying to a parent. It's totally understandable. I, I would say that if, if I were the parent of young kind of tubby Julia Hamblin back in kindergarten, <laughs> just if we're being honest, uh, just kind of be patient uh, with the child. You know, I actually have a nephew who's going into kindergarten this year and he he's already met with the speech therapist and uh, he does have a, a speech issue and they're pretty sure it's developmental, but of course we don't want to just leave it hanging. We want to mm. get something figured out. So, I would do exactly what what my mom did. She she stayed calm during a time of oh my gosh, what's wrong? Like what's going on with my with my child? But she she took the correct steps to find a way to to, to I guess quote unquote fix it uh, in in a sense I I, I guess yes uh, mm -hmm. just being patient with the child, knowing that especially when we're young, we're still growing, we're still learning. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that I really enjoyed being in younger speech therapy was incentives. Uh, we in speech class, you know, if we uh, said a word either correctly or better than before, we got candy. And like that was my motivation to to do better uh, that that next day in, in speech therapy. And so I would focus on let's practice and practice and practice, uh, even as a young child, because I got candy and kids love candy in the end. So. I think just awesome. taking those steps for children, and I, and I know children, it's a lot harder. They don't truly understand the full extent of the situation. Um, just being patient with them and, and working with them is a really big thing. My mom uh, forced me to read a, a one book each night to kind of get better with my speech, and it really helped. Out loud? Out loud, yeah. Wow. It helped. I didn't like it, but it, it helped. And again, there's an incentive to it. That's what you got. You have to do that with kids nowadays, unfortunately, but it helps. It really does. So I think just taking those steps can make it better uh, with, with children who, who might stutter. Yeah, no, I got the opposite. I, I got like, stop, stop talking so fast. <laughs> that's, that's what my nonna would say. Stop thinking so much. <laughs> enough, enough. That's, that's, that's what my grandfather would do. Yeah. Love him. But um, yes, no, that is, so, so would you say that you had, um, um, so when I, I just, I, I'm even curious now, when do you stutter the most? Uh, I've noticed that I stutter the most when I'm really excited about something. When I have really good news to share, I just, I have to say it. Uh, my, my brain just starts, the gears are, are spinning and everything in my mind is, is going crazy. And that's when 
my stutter is at its absolute worst um, that I've really noticed. How do you calm that down? Uh, usually after about five seconds, I realize if I'm in that state and that's when I just, I take a deep breath in and out and I usually start over. If somebody who I'm talking to hasn't stopped me already, uh, it only takes a couple seconds for me to, for someone else to realize like, Hey, like you're stuttering so much, slow down. <laughs> and I know something I've, I've read in these comments is rush talking. That's something that, uh, I, I've had throughout this whole time in my life. That's kind of what started with. I think she has a stutter was talking really fast and that's something I've, I've worked on and like, like my stutter, I, I don't know if I'll, if I'll ever be cured about it, but uh, like, like I said, just live, you say like, like you don't have it. So I think that really yeah. uh, clears that up for, for the most part. She's so inspiring guys. <laughs> I, might, I, I might cry, <laughs> but I think, um, I think, I think a big thing with you too, Julia is you, um, because you've given like how many, for example, let's just, I don't know if you can even know, but how many, how, how many do you think, how many talks do you think you gave oh, in your entire life? Uh, if, if we're including, are we including competitions? Yeah, of course. Boy. People, well, okay, also just quick side question. How, what was the biggest crowd that you talked in front of? Biggest crowd I spoke in front of was uh, 500 people at an ag banquet. nervous for you. I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified. In that first five minutes, I saw my mom in the crowd going, slow down. Slow down. Yeah. Okay. We're good. But then I realized why I was there, that I wanted to share a message. And I was very passionate about that message. And then all my nerves just went away. I was able to give it fluently. So how many talks do you think you gave? I would say uh, thus, thus far in my life, I've given uh, about – Maybe 120 talks if we're including competitions. She's like 121 and a half. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, so you did see 120 talks. Approximately, yeah. Wow. See, that's what see that's what I believe. Like what we're seeing right now is a Julia who's given 120 talks. That's that's what that's what I see. You know, um, like you know, I've never seen the picture of the iceberg. It's like what you see, and yeah. Everything kind of under it. Um, and that's, to me, it's like, you always see like the bad side of like what you see. And then you see like anxiety, nervousness. But what I see is someone who's a very good public speaker, like, you know, at the top is like a fluent speaker, but then below that is hundreds of talks. A bunch of times you probably like cried because you were so anxious and nervous, right? Like no one sees all that, the hours and hours and hundreds of hours of practicing over and over again, the books you read, right? Um, that's why, that's why I'm a big advocate of like, get outside of your comfort zone. Like you're not, you're not going to get good talking with the same friends. Okay. I don't know. Talking with the same friends, never going outside. Like, you know, it's like just skydive, jump out of the plane, just do it. I know it looks scary. Go for it. Yeah. By the way, I, I, I would never skydive, but for <laughs> other people, okay. We're not talking about skydiving here. I'm kidding. So cool. Well, Julia, it's uh, it's it's been a little bit. Um, do you have any? Um, I think you're awesome. I, I love your story. What I love the most about you, Julia, is that you are someone that took your weakness and turned it into a strength. And for you, it wasn't just talk. Like you forced yourself to speak in front of a crowd of 500 people. Like I've trained people in public speaking, and like I've seen people like back out last minute. Like no way, and they just leave. I'm like, what are you doing? Where are you going? Right. Um, yeah. So you obviously faced your fear head on. Um, I believe it's, you know, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's part of the reason why you're in a leadership position at such a young age. And I think why you have such a successful future is because, you know, you could have said, I'm never going to get over this thing and I'm always going to live in the shadows and I'm always going to be someone who stutters and I won't have any confidence, but you didn't say it. You didn't, you didn't look at a life like that. You looked at it like I'm going to use this and become this amazing person, which you are. So any closing remarks that you have that you would want to share with anyone, um, you know, maybe like a younger Julia that, you know, is overthinking and, you know, um, doesn't believe that they can get over it. Yeah. What you got? Well, I, I will say first, uh, I've, I've basically laid out my, my stuttering story in front of you. Um, I, I failed to, to mention um, my speech and debate career. Uh, I will be the first to admit my first year was horrible. That was my first time 
doing professional public speaking. And when it came to those FFA contests, they're looking for who gives the best message about agriculture while doing professional speaking. Um, but speech and debate, the judges, um, they're a little more strict on you know, your, your professionalism, your, your attire, your, your poise and the way you speak. That's what they're really focused on. So, you know, did I, did I just wake up one morning and go, wow, I'm a great speaker? No, of course not. It took, it took a lot of work and I, I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm, I'm fluent now. I, I, a lot of these comments say, wow, she's so fluent. That's Told you. <laughs> Um, it, it took a lot of work, it, a, a lot, a lot of work. After I won the state public speaking competition for FFA, I, I realized like, oh gosh, I'm going to nationals now. This is, this is a whole new ball game. And so I knew I was going to have to, to kick it up a notch and it was scary, but I knew like we made it this far. Let's just let's keep going. And I actually originally went into the competition thinking, let's just have fun. Let's just enjoy the experience. Uh, but hours later, after my first few rounds, I found out I was in the semifinals for, for nationals. And so I was in the top 16 of some of the best speakers in the country. And so that really changed my perspective on, on like, I'm, am I really that good? And that was kind of my turning point. Mm -hmm. This this is this is how it is. It was really cool. Uh, unfortunately, I, I didn't win nationals, sadly. But the memories I made there was so much better than, mm -hmm. than winning that title. It was absolutely incredible. But not only that, I got to talk to my fellow competitors about our lives and I, I got to share my story with, with, with some of them. And the fact that I got to leave them with, with my message was, was a win. So mm -hmm. I, I would just say, uh, you know, you're not gonna get cured overnight, unfortunately. I wish that's how it worked, but sadly, that's not how that's not how this works unfortunately it's gonna take a lot of time and effort and something that i preach to to everybody really is if you want change you got to work for it you know nothing just comes to you easily uh, and it's not just going to happen in a snap uh, if you if you want to become a better speaker you have to work for it you can't just wake up one morning and go cool i'm a good speaker now um, and that comes with a lot of practice and, and work. And it's different for all of us. Some of us will become better speakers in different ways than others. Um, but just knowing that it's possible. You know, one of my one of my favorite quotes is actually from Bethany Hamilton. She's a uh, professional surfer. And when she was a young teenager, she lost her arm in a, in a shark attack. And so her fear was, am I going to be able to surf again? But she changed that mentality to, I will surf again. And that's exactly what she did. And she's now a professional surfer, even with one arm. But a quote that she mentioned in a movie about her called Soul Surfer, my favorite movie of all time. Great movie. It really is. She mentioned when she's training after she lost her arm, says, I don't need easy. I just need possible. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that quote so much because becoming a better speaker, especially with, with us that, that stutter on, on a daily basis, it's not easy. It's never going to be easy. But we don't, we don't need easy. We just need possible. And it is possible if we just, if we try hard enough at it. So what would you, what would be, you know, what would be that, that quote in your head that you would tell yourself for people that are watching this, that I will speak fluently. I will like, what, what would that be for those people? I guess what I would consider, um, I guess the quote I would have for everybody is just do it. <laughs> you know, we're going to have a lot of opportunities in our lives to share our story and to share a message. Mm -hmm. We can't let our stutters hold us back. We can't let it be our obstacle in the road. You know, if, if we're asked, you know, can you take this phone call? I know phone calls can be really scary with stutters. Just do it. Now what, what's the worst that can happen? You stutter mm -hmm. happens every day for us. It's just, it's just something, something else. You know, we just got to, Take a deep breath, try again, um, and don't get flustered. Uh, you know, no matter what happens, if an opportunity comes for us to, to just speak, just do it. <laughs> just do it. Just do it. You absolutely. Heard her. You heard her, everyone. So we got Julia Hamblin. I think that was awesome. I really appreciate it. Um, Julia, again, you are an inspiration to many. Um, I'm, I'm very happy that you jumped onto this podcast. Um, you know, hopefully we, we can do this again. And I'm excited to hear your story um, later on and to see what you've kind of done. So thank you again, Julia. You did awesome. And um, I'll see you again. Okay. Awesome. Thank you, Daniel.
Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Now, I don't know if you've seen my free training or not, but you definitely want to check it out. I share my three secrets on how to overcome stuttering and be a confident speaker. So hop on over to MasterYourStutter.com and be sure to watch the training. After the training, you will qualify for a free strategy session with me over the phone. You don't want to miss this. So thank you again and see you on the next show.